Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 395 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her nutrition with a twist. Oh, yeah. So this is going to be a good one, and just know that this episode is made possible by Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. Now, for women, run on over and get your liposomal multivitamins. This is an enhanced absorption type of vitamin. You want to get every, you want to squeeze out every single vitamin and mineral um, in the multivitamin and get the optimal absorption. Learn more. Run on over to solaray.com. Here's your first little reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. I want to hear your feedback. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about her. I am so happy to have on Heidi Skolnick. Now, she's a thought leader in nutrition, known Heidi for many, many years. She's influenced millions through all of her multimedia work. Oh my goodness gracious, she's been part of the Women's Sports Medicine Center at HSS for over 20 years. And, you know, she has a company called Nutrition Conditioning, and it oversees performance nutrition for, for instance, the Juilliard School and the School of American Ballet and more. What I can tell you is for crying out loud, if it's anything to do with nutrition, it's all about Heidi. Heidi, welcome back to the Her Podcast. Well, it is so wonderful to be here. Thank you. Awesome. And would you please tell everyone about your latest book? I am thrilled to. So our New York Times bestseller, I'm going to put that in there because I am really proud of that, The Whole Body Reset. And this has been such an exciting book to write and then to see the reception because I knew the need was there, but you never know how these things are received. But we are hungry for information for midlife and beyond. And this book is all about trying to help us understand how our needs change as we age. And so our eating patterns need to change as we age in order to maintain muscle and keep our health for as long as we can because our health and well-being and longevity and functional abilities relate to our muscle, really. Excellent. Fantastic. It's the whole body reset. How do people learn more about it? Well, you can get it anywhere. Anywhere you get books, you can get the whole body reset. Excellent. Fantastic. Okay. Now that we're talking about a whole body reset, um, you know, I've got a little something, you know, I really, it's like a, a little thorn in my side. And that is the whole issue of protein and how misunderstood protein is, especially among women. You know, for guys, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, 
it's protein's kind of a gig, you know, because it's all about muscles and it's about building and maintaining muscles. And guys are like, yeah, let me, let me eat half a cow and, and, and just do that whole thing. Interestingly, you know, less protein than I would have expected, but much more than women. So they eat on average, an average, you know, American guy eats about a hundred grams of protein and a woman about 70 grams. Um, but you know, I was talking to Stu Phillips, who is one of my colleagues oh, at fabulous. the American College yeah. of Sports Medicine, pro probably one of the leading experts on, on protein. Yeah, for um, sure. He's informed really all my work. Yeah, two grams per kilogram body weight. That's his rule. And, you know, when I look at that, and then I, I look at what average individuals are eating, I'm horrified because no one's even close to that. And, and what's going on? So help us understand what's going on there, Heidi. Well, I think what's interesting is that it's really not only about total of what we eat. It's when we eat it right, and how much we eat when we eat it. So the average person eats more protein than they need at dinner, but under eats protein at breakfast and lunch. And, you know, as I said with the whole body reset, which I also just want to give a shout out to my co-author, Steve Prine and AARP, who we wrote the book with, um, because, and it's important to understand that again, everything is referenced. And I actually, you know, use so much of, of Stu um, Phillips' work. So when we're looking at the amount of protein, it's not just two grams a day, it's actually 0.4 grams per kilogram of body weight per meal. And what happens as we age is we become what's called anabolically resistant, which means that when we're young, you know, you drink a glass of milk and that milk, that eight grams of protein, you don't have to do much. You're in a growth phase. It kind of all gets turned to protein, I mean, to muscle, right? I mean, not all, of course, we use it for other things in our body, but it's easy to build muscle. As we get older, our body goes like, I'm resistant to that. I'm older. I'm tired. You got to do more. You give me that milk. It's like, uh, I need more. And so we really need 25 to 30 grams of protein per meal to press that muscle building button. So if you don't eat breakfast and you have a little salad at lunch and then you sit down and have like this really lovely dinner, you have missed the opportunity to keep and maintain your muscle throughout the day. Missed that window. So it's not just focusing on total protein in the day again, but rather really making sure you get up and you eat that breakfast and you have protein with it. Most people eat 10 grams or less for breakfast. So for example, if I have oatmeal for breakfast, something I think many people think of as nutritious, and it certainly is nutritious for sure, but it's not a lot of protein. It's not until you have that oatmeal with some yogurt, some Greek yogurt and some nuts that you reach that 25 to 30 grams of, of protein. Um, and so it's not a high protein diet that I'm talking about. It's actually adequate protein. It is more than the RDI set recommends because they're looking at um, whole population. They're not looking at an aging population. They don't talk about distribution over time. They're not looking at preventing sarcopenia, which I know you will go into. Um, so we're not talking about a high protein diet. We're talking about adequate protein at adequate times in the day. Mm-hmm. All right. 
I have an interesting question for you. And the question is, uh, since so many people are overweight um, and obese now, and the statistics are, are fairly, you know, scary, um, looking at 2030, uh, which is not too far away, uh, and the fact that the majority of, a, of, a, of American adults will be obese, not overweight. We're already majority overweight, but uh, will be obese. This is interesting in terms of protein. So if you take someone who is 220 pounds, right, divided by 2.2 is 100 um, kilograms, and you multiply that times two, you end up with 200 grams of protein a day. Is that really true? Yeah, I would say that's probably not true. It really is based on lean mass, but most of us don't know our lean mass. That's what I mean. So, yeah, no. So you're right. That becomes a little, that makes it a little harder to totally figure it out on that individual level, which is why I kind of say that 25 to 30 grams of protein, you're going to capture most people a little bit more if you're way bigger, smaller, you know, a little less if you're a smaller person, um, because it is ultimately based on your lean mass. And to your point, it's not even just those who are um, overweight or obese. There is what is called normal weight obesity. And it's something that goes undetected um, doctors, that's why BMI isn't really a great measure. Um, it, it, it affects, I think, maybe 30 million people in the United States, but we don't have good criteria. We don't really know where the cutoffs are. Again, our lean mass is not really measured in typical offices, so you don't recognize it. It's really, again, about how much muscle you have. Yes, there are some inflammatory issues um, as you have more fat, on your body and there's some orthopedic issues, maybe some increased risk of some cancers. But for the most part, it's really not about your weight. It's about how much muscle or how much fat you're carrying and really how much muscle you're carrying. And so I think this idea of weight loss is really misguided versus looking at a few things. One, looking at maintaining muscle. So you might want to, you might want to lose fat. You don't want to lose just weight because most when you lose weight without paying attention, you are going to lose muscle with that. And if you're not doing resistance training and you're cutting your calories and you're not eating adequate protein, you know, you're going to be, you, you know, weight alone is not an indicator of your health. Muscle is a much better indicator of outcome. And we care about functional, functional abilities and outcome. And Lean mass has been is has a better relation to things like blood sugar control, reduced heart disease, even reduced you know better brain and cognitive function, muscle and bone you know was related to your bone health, mobility. So there's so many things to think about by changing thought process against just weight loss versus fat loss and maintaining that muscle. So. Um, one of the things, uh, this then I'm going to build upon that. So let's just sort of step back for a minute. So the overall number is at roughly around two grams per kilogram, but the way you do that has to be more, uh, balanced throughout the day. 
aiming for literally, if you were to divide that up for the average individual, it ends up being 30 plus, you know, grams um, per meal um, with some snacks in there uh, to be able to help substantiate the rest of it um, on the overall. And so um, what's important now um, to understand is that uh, it's your body composition not your overall body weight that really rules but most people just step on you know some little scale and and stare at this you know those three figures um and and you know assume that's health and it's not when i wrote body for life for women um it was a hue and a cry to start paying attention to uh body composition and what does that mean your percent body fat your total amount of lean body mass. So to your point, many um, people who are overweight um, or obese um, actually have, relatively speaking, less muscle mass than you'd actually think. Um, and it obviously depends upon age and gender as well. Um, so what you're looking to be able to do is to strength train for sure, absolutely strength train. You have to be able to do that, um, to be able to at least maintain, if not build a little bit of lean body mass while you're also stripping down excess body fat, which is pro-inflammatory and not the greatest thing in terms of your overall health. So it's just a shout out, quite frankly, uh, to go out and now get one of those cool body comp um, scales that comes with an app that'll help help you track over time, there's a whole bunch of these, I use one in particular, um, that uh, will help inform you. Um, and quite frankly, the numbers are more gentle anyway. When you actually look at lean body mass, um, you know, what you're going to do is see a number that's not astronomical. You won't see something like 275 pounds. It'll be more like 100-ish, plus or minus, for a woman and for a man more. So that's, it's just, I think you and I are both pleading for people to pay more attention to the quality of their uh, body um, mass and their composition, um, not just the quantity. Does that make sense, Heidi? Yeah, it makes, it makes total sense to me. I mean, I really encourage people to also to really focus on their behaviors and not so much just on the weight because the outcome will be the result because we all have different genetics. We have a different history. We have different relationships with food, cultural backgrounds, different access to food. There's so much. But if we can focus on behaviors like hitting enough protein at each meal, Right. Getting in those, you know, two to three pieces of fruit a day, three vegetable servings a day. Like if you're do, if you're focusing on things you can do, lifting weights, right, making sure as we get older, it's at least twice a week. I think people get overwhelmed because there is so many recommendations out there. And also there's like, you know, there's the super fit sort of images that come at us, but it's actually very doable. We're talking about twice a week when we're older, you know, two to three times a week, but twice a week of major muscle groups, um, lifting, doing some resistance exercise. 
And it doesn't really have to take much more than 20 to 30 minutes, right? I think there's this idea of, you know, hours at the gym or, you know, it has to be with machines or it's bodybuilding, you know, or I just think that people can become intimidated when it's actually, when you break it down into just behavior and time, it's, it's not a huge investment in time for what you get back. And you start where you are. And I, you know, everybody I've ever worked with feels better when they start. They begin to feel their body in a different way. And it is like, I hate to overuse this term empowerment, but they do, they feel empowered by their own body. It feels good to get stronger. It feels good to be able to carry your own groceries or get up out of a chair or put, you know, a suitcase in on the overhead when you're in a plane. Like all of a sudden you see that this investment that you're, you're putting in in time comes back to you in everything you want to do in your life. And I think it's helpful to focus on that. And then you'll see, you'll see the results of that in your body composition. But if you're focusing again on actionable steps that you can do, and we're really talking about, you know, I do like to say what people can add in their diet. And when you begin to add foods, like protein happens to be pretty satiating. You, When people eat more at breakfast, the benefit is that they're building more muscle, which is really subtle and over time. Um, but what is immediate is this boost to appetite regulation, where they find when they eat more at breakfast, they're not as hungry later in the day. And that's just an outcome that comes from this as opposed to thinking, I better eat less later on. I better not eat. I better not like the minute you're saying I better not eat is like you're thinking eat, eat, eat. So I, I love that when you exercise, we know that for many people, when they begin to, to move every day, it actually affects how their brain lights up to certain foods. So the foods that we think of as more processed, lower calorically or um, nutritionally dense, our brains don't light up in the same way when we're exercising. And, you know, people will say, it's easier for me when I'm, when I'm moving to eat better. And it's like, why is that? Is that just a motivational thing? Or is that really something else going on? And, and it actually is our, our bodies like respond well in a lot of different ways. All right. So, you know, one of the challenges that you and I know about um, when we're explaining this to women is actually taking that first step. And it, it's interesting, um, when I was hosting the National Body Challenge with the Discovery Network, um, I, I used to just laugh um, when we had a guy you know, step on a scale. I know, I know. It's just, it was the old days. It was old school. Um, and they stepped on a scale and they looked down the number and they go, wow, hmm, I put on a few, you know, and, and they just sort of blow it off and whatever. And, and right in front of cameras and, you know, millions of people are going to see this and you're, you're like, oh my gosh. But but God, not one of them freaked out. They all just, you know, they sometimes just say something kind of um funny uh and in a self-disparaging kind of way like wow i got fat on this one and and back and forth and and then they would just sort of hop to it they go okay now what do we do come on now one two three let's do it you know with women it's just drama 
It's it's just all drama. It's like they don't want to. I had women who just stood there saying, "I don't want to see the number. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to, you know." And uh, other women are like disposing of all their jewelry to make sure that the weight is exactly, you know, the lowest it could humanly possibly be. I'm not quite sure what it, taking a gold chain off was going to help, but that's okay. And and th- to them, it's just the whole thing especially older women, meaning that women who are at least 50 and over, you know, they have this stereotypic weirdness going on. Um, and uh, it, 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 so I see oftentimes um, this this first hump to get over, um, like a tough mutter kind of, you know, obstacle course. And, and that is to get over things in your head. You look at yourself in the mirror and, and you know, a woman oftentimes is just, you know, breaks down in tears, freaks out, like, how could I have allowed this to happen, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, sometimes you you can't get out of that that rabbit hole um, enough to be able to actually take action. So when you talk about behavioral changes and habits, how do you approach that? Well, first, let me just say, you even recounting that is just so sad to me, because I think that it does reflect, and by the way, I think you're right, things have changed, and now there, well, there are more men who also will feel, as I'm about to express, except they might have a different language around it. But, you know, it is a diet culture out there, and women are told all the time to eat less, to be smaller, which I, which does relate to a lot of different messaging internally about not being, you know, to shrinking, right? To be smaller, really, which means getting further away from our power and our position and to eat less and make us weaker and more emotional. And, you know, when you're not eating enough, I know I'm hangry. I'm emotional. I don't feel good. So the messaging that women should be dieting all the time is such a negative one. It takes us further away from our goals. And I think this shame around body, about number, about a number on a scale is is really tragic, frankly, um, which is, again is very different from saying I um, and also let me say one other thing. This idea of how could I have let this happen? Well, I think women don't recognize, most people don't recognize that again, as we age around between 20 and 30, we begin to lose about 1% of our muscle mass each year. So over 20 years, you know, between 40 and 60, that's a significant amount of muscle. And it is not our metabolism that changes. Our metabolism actually stays constant, uh, which I think surprises people to hear that. That was a study in science in 2021 with 6,000 people that really kind of blew the lid off of, of what was a commonly held belief. Our metabolism may lower because we have less active tissue, again, less muscle, which is what's metabolically active, but it's not that the, t- the cells that we have can't do what they need to do. It's that we actually have lost muscle and then we probably are more sedentary and, you know, maybe we're eating more. And those three things combined, we end up gaining weight, age-related weight gain. What, what nobody ever told us, and I think, you know, menopause and the research around menopause and differentiating uh, females and males around much of, you know, science uh, in, in studies is, is sort of coming into its own. But that idea that around 
menopause, we should really be sure to be lifting weights so that we don't accelerate that weight loss. And it's hard to, it's really hard earned to build back. And, um, you know, we're going to see a shift in our body. It's normal for our bodies to change. We do lay fat down a little differently um, post-menopause. And so some body change and body acceptance, I think, is really important from a societal standpoint and what we're telling women and the expectation of that they're not going to look prepubescent when they're in their 30s, 20s, and 30s, and they're not going to look like in their 20s and 30s when they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and on. But that doesn't mean that there isn't much they can do to stay healthy, to feel good, to feel their body, to stay leaner and stronger and healthier. And so I think I work, I try to help shift the focus, not, you know, from aesthetics, which doesn't mean we don't care how we look. So again, it's not this all or none thinking. We want to have our own sense of style and everyone has like however they think, you know, however they want their hairstyles to be or what makeup they want to wear, or what clothes they want to wear. But it is about shifting from not just aesthetics, but again, to this function. What can I do? What can my body do? What what action steps can I take? Breaking it down into very doable ones. And that's where you, you meet people where they are and you start there and you go from there and then you build. I, I completely, I concur um, you know, this is a, a situation where, um, you know, when you, when you started this whole, um, you know, reply out by saying, you know, you're sad when you have to listen to the fact that so many women feel the way they do, um, man, that's been going on for decades. Um, and I, I think women need to redefine the narrative around this um, and I think that's where so much of this empowerment um, will come from, which I'm really excited about. Uh, and so outside of that, um, you know, as a physician um, and you um, as an expert in nutrition and exercise, um, I, I have to sit back and I have to say, you know, I want women, I want everybody, but we're talking about women here. Um, to have optimal health and to have a great health span, but you're not going to get there unless you address appropriate nutrition and physical activity and stress coping and sleep. All of these things have to come together, um, you know, and then obviously whatever medical condition may have, you know, popped up somewhere along the line, you know, you put it all together and what you end up with is your own customized approach and your own narrative about what is beautiful to you, but what is healthy to you. And that means you can't be delusional. You can't say to yourself, well, I feel perfectly healthy you know, without doing a lot of physical activity and kind of eating what I want to eat. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, you've heard me say this story before, and I don't know which conference it was, where I was, where the speaker was saying, what I do now predicts my vitality in 10 years from now. And that stuck with me because when I'm not motivated right now to exercise for my current stat self, I think of myself in 10 years 
And then I'm motivated for my future self. I think part of the challenge is when we're talking about strength training, muscle retention, bone health, a lot of, you know, even our blood sugar, you don't see it right? That isn't the aesthetic. That's the internal, what our health is in our, it, and it's slow and steady. The decrease is slow and steady over time. And the increase, it takes time to, to, you know, to, to see the effects of our behaviors, you know, to, to make sure that we are preventing diabetes and we are pre- keeping our bone health strong and solid and preventing osteoporosis, that we're, um, you know, maintaining our brain health. Like these things are slow, insidious, and the flip of staying healthy is consistency over time. But you don't feel it today when the couch is pulling, you know, calling my name and there's a TV show I'd rather watch after a long day of work, or I'd rather stay in bed than get up you know, that 45 minutes earlier until it becomes a habit, like brushing my teeth is a habit and, um, you know, many other habits throughout the day. So until it becomes a habit, it's a very, it's, it's time management meets motivation, right? And, uh, and it is, it takes, it takes, it takes brain space to make it happen, but it is so worth it. So it's also really like a values clarification, you know, what's important to me? Like, do I want to be able to get up and down the, on the ground with grandchildren? I mean, for me, it might be climbing a mountain. And for someone else, it might be climbing the stairs. You know, for me, it might be I want to travel. And for someone else, it might be they want to, again, be able to play with their grandchildren, take them to the playground and, and push the swing and climb up and down. So whatever your motivation, but just, you know, really understanding what it takes to have that. Like we do with everything else, like with work or with, right? Like you don't just, you got, you got to put in work at work, right? To raise a family, it takes an effort. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, you know, I love that whole issue of the future self. You know, it, people oftentimes don't think about future consequences. What I'm doing right now, what am I doing right now to lay down the foundation for a strong self, mentally, physically, spiritually, 10 years from now, or 15 or 20, however you wanna play the game, obviously knowing that tomorrow is not guaranteed, but you know, within that context, just just you know, thinking more about results and, and consequences. And I think if people think like that, well, you know, for instance, um, the number one reason why people have, um, you know, uh, knee surgery, uh, starting in their 40s and, and beyond, has nothing to do with with uh, athletics at all, especially people think, oh, it's got to be football or whatever. It's not. It's obesity. That's what it is. I mean, right, you, and that's you, where weight does matter in orthopedic issues, you know. No you, question. Like, uh, I'm not sure if I have, you might know the statistic. I don't know if it's like every pound you can lose is like four pounds on your knees and back. There's some equation I cannot remember, you know, I can't remember exactly what it is, which is pretty significant. But the flip is also true. Like I think when people are in pain or uncomfortable, they think I can't exercise and maybe we should call it movement or activity. Cause I think for some people, just the word exercise for some reason is off putting, but there isn't almost anything 
any disease state, any condition, anything where movement isn't going to be of benefit. Now, you may need to figure out how to modify your movement, what you can do within the issues that you have within your body. But no matter what, movement is almost always going to help. Oh, my gosh. I mean, and it's essential for survival. You know, when I wrote Fit to Live, which became the discovery series, Could You Survive? Um, We did a little tricky thing for the first episode. And what we did in that was we took people of all ages and all body sizes and we we put them through a test. They didn't realize they were going to do this test. And it was literally a test to see if they could survive something. And so there was a lot of, you know, uh, it was very interesting. Once this episode posted and went live, um, there were a lot of people who, uh, you know, dialed in with their feedback and they said, we thought the skinny people were going to be just fine, you know, and and back and forth because they had to haul themselves, do things, run up and down stairs. You know, it was it was a life threatening situation they were in. Could they get out of it? Now, the answer for the first episode was not a single person survived meaning that at the end of the day, you know, after that episode, they all had to be trained. And, you know, the the lesson there was simple. <laughs> Appearances can be deceiving. And so you had the skinny fat people who didn't have the strength to be able to, if they fell down, um, to be able to get up fast enough and appropriately enough. Could they help um, another person you know, who was desperately trying to get over an an impediment. Did they have the strength to do that? The answer was no. So you couldn't help someone save their life. You couldn't help yourself. And I think it drilled the whole thing home that physical activity, especially strength training, was so terribly important and integral to your very survival, especially after the age of 50 and 60, when you're more likely to have, you know, significant decrements in in muscle and lean body mass. And also when you may be sitting on your little can a little bit more than you should. And so now you really are, you know, underperforming physically. So there's so many layers to this that are so important, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing that you just said, which which is important to highlight, is it actually doesn't matter when you start, like at every age, when you start, it has been shown time and again that our bodies respond. So that if you're 80 and listening to this right now, you can start a strength training program and you will see improvement. Your body will respond. It's never, it's never like it's done. So our bodies are remarkable. They want to move. They want to respond to the stimulus. They want to have the, you know, protein and nutrients. So we talked about protein for muscle, but it's interesting that fruits and vegetables actually also help with muscle in a different way because it helps with that inflammation, reduce that inflammation, which then allows for muscle because inflammation is the enemy of muscle. Muscle is the enemy of inflammation. Um, it also helps our microbiome, which we're learning, you know, so much more about 
and how fiber helps our microbiome and exercise. Again, movement helps keep our microbiome healthy. And our microbiome, other than our skin, is our first line of defense for our immune system. We're learning how it, you know, as we get older, we don't absorb nutrients as well. Our microbiome might change, but if you have fiber, it helps with diversity and keeping that healthy so that you're absorbing nutrients better. You know, there's just so many systems in our body and cascades of events that happen and they all work synergistically. Um, if we're providing our bodies with, again, these building blocks um, and stimuli, it responds in a really positive way. You know, um, I, I, I love how your approach, Heidi, is always so integrative and holistic. So you're not chopping someone up into, you know, um, little silos. Instead, you look at them as a totality um, everything from behavioral to physical activity to, you know, um, their mental performance to the ability to uh, uh, really boost overall health by bringing it all together. So your microbiome, all those, you know, trillions of critters uh, that line your gut that are so important to be able to tamp down inflammation and to be able to enhance absorption of all the nutrients we should be taking in, you know, they respond so beautifully to not just healthy nutrition, but also physical activity and also at the same time, quite frankly, to your your mental mood um, on the overall. And, and so there you have that integrative approach. Tell everyone once again where they can, you know, uh, find out about the book um, and, and the name of the book and uh, more information about it. Well, the whole body reset is uh, really, it's out there at every bookseller. I mean, I don't know if every independent bookseller has it. Certainly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and um, other other bookstores and sites. So wherever you get your books, you should be able to find it. And I think you'll find that it's a really, um, although again, it is science-based, every single, every single line in there was um, fact-checked. But uh, my co-author is a great writer. You know, I I provide a lot of the science and he did a lot of the writing and he just makes it sort of, it's an easy read. It's very accessible. Um, so I encourage I encourage listeners to, to give it a try. Excellent. And well, I want people to learn more about you too. So your website is nutritionconditioning.net. Well, to make it easier, I just changed it to HeidiSkolnick.com. Okay, so you so just screwed up everything here for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, I realized that was making it complicated. My name is my name. So HeidiSkolnick.com is my website now. Okay, so it's H-E-I-D-I, and then S is in Sam, K, O, L is in Larry, N, I, K. So you got two Ks in there. Heidi Skolnick.com, right? Correct. Yes. Okay, Thank now you. I just want everyone to know about your marvelous background, Heidi, and that. It's such a blessing to have someone out there with dual master's degrees in exercise physiology and human nutrition because you're a bit of a unicorn. Either you have one or the other, um, and it's just great to have someone who's got both, especially with the exercise. I'm horribly, 
you know, um, biased in terms of that. Um, but once again, uh, you've, you've really sh helped shed light on so much that women need to understand about um, their overall health, and in this case, especially their nutrition and physical activity. Heidi, I can't thank you enough for being on the Herb Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Peek. I appreciate it, and uh, you're doing just such great work. So, you know, I, I love listening to your podcast as well. I learned well. We 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 we're now doing this together. Come on now, it takes a village, and <laughs> it takes a Heidi and me. Um, and you know, it, it just feels so good to do all of this. So again, cannot thank you enough. And another shout out to Solaray Vitamins. Run on over to solaray.com to learn more about your health and nutrition. And especially since we brought up the microbiome uh, probiotics, um, which are necessary, especially when you're challenged with medical conditions, antibiotics, and other little goodies like that. We want to be able to restore the microbiome biome back to its its normal state for optimal health okay now run on over to itunes rate and review the show the episode is now el finito and i want to hear from you why because i'm dr pam peak host of the herb podcast Please follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and all of the major platforms. Thanks for listening today and please stay safe and stay well. <music>